What do we do when God is silent, when we can't hear his voice, and we have no idea what he's up to? The disciples experienced the silence of God on Saturday as they watched their Savior die on Friday and had not yet received the light of the resurrection on Sunday. And so this week in today's episode, we take a look at how we are to live in the midst of the silent Saturdays of our lives. You're listening to the Girlfriends in the Word podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Drum. This podcast is designed to dive into scripture through systematic study in books of the Bible, through cultural conversations with women today, or on specific topical studies so that we can learn what God has to say for our lives. My goal is to equip you to study God's word well and to encourage you in your faith journey as we walk together and become girlfriends in the word. Happy Wednesday, sweet friends. We are almost to the conclusion of our Gardens to Grave to Glory series. And last week, we walked through the passion of Christ as we saw Jesus wrestling in the garden and then betrayed by one of his disciples. And we walked through the text all the way to the excruciating death of a Roman crucifixion. It was a hard week and hard passages to study. It's heavy and sobering as we discuss and consider our sin and the price that Jesus had to pay to cleanse us, all that it cost him to save us. These hard places remind us of the extreme grace given to us and for us and how we ought to live in light of that grace daily. Surrendering our lives and our desires to the will of the Father, just as Jesus modeled in his total surrender of self to the will of the Father. So this week, it would seem like we would dive right into the power and majesty of the resurrection. I mean, after all, Easter Sunday is coming up, and I want to, truly I want to. But rather than rush over to Sunday, I want us to settle in on the Saturday after the cross. Because this day doesn't get a whole lot of attention. And I understand we don't really have a lot of details about this day. We don't know much of what happened, but we know that it was silent, and we don't know what to do with this Saturday because Jesus was alive Friday morning and dead Friday night. And what do we do with a dead Savior? What do we do with a God who seems to have lost the upper hand? What do we do when we are in the midst of the war and it looks as if God has lost the battle? Things were bad on Friday, but on Saturday when the city is still when Friday evenings had had ended the day and Shabbat settled in on the city, the city went silent. You see, Shabbat was in effect. It was the day of rest and the people are resting. And I just can't seem to get over that. After all of the pain and the grief and the excruciating confusion of what they've just witnessed, God has it so that now they are called to rest, to not move, to not do anything in and of their own power. They are to sit still and wait. There was no work to be done, which is probably a good thing because the confusion and the grief of the disciples and the followers of Jesus and everything they were feeling was so great. I mean, really what work could have been accomplished anyways? In fairness, We don't really talk about the middle spaces enough. We like the beginnings and we like the ends, but we don't talk about what happens when everything that we see with our natural eyes doesn't make sense. We don't talk about the mess of the middle. We don't wrestle with the pain of silence. But the pain of silence is 
not uncommon to the people of God. Job knew the silence of God. If we were to go through the book of Job, we would see the suffering of a righteous man who desperately cried out to God for answers. And for chapter after chapter, God remained silent. Abraham himself knew the silence of God. God had cut covenant with Abraham and promised him a child, an heir through whom God would bless the nations. Yet year after year, Abraham's house remained childless. His wife was barren, her womb withering away before them. And Abraham had faith whenever God told him to do something. But when God was silent, those years are where we see Abraham make some ridiculous decisions. Or what about David? He was anointed king as a teenager, about 17 years old. And then for the next decade, he was on the run for his life. He spent years running from Saul as Saul sought to kill him. And it wasn't until he was about 30 that God and his promises would come to pass. It was at about 30 that God's promises began to bear fruit. And we see that psalm after psalm that David wrote, he was pleading with God for God to answer, for God to speak, for God to intervene on his behalf. Or what about the nation of Israel? They understood silence. Because from the end of the book of Zechariah, the prophet, to the heralding of John the Baptist as the next prophet, there was a 400-year gap of silence between these two prophets. Not a word from God to his people. There was no prophet to speak for him. And see, the waiting on God is often what kills our faith. It's in these moments where what we see with our natural eyes doesn't make sense with what the promises of God have been told to us. But the waiting on God is also what often solidifies our commitment to trust in his promises over what our eyes cannot see in these moments. So let's go back to Holy Week. It's Silent Saturday. The heavens are on hold. No whispers are given. No work of God visible to mankind Everything that's happened on the earth has stopped. And now what is happening is happening in the heavenlies. And it's the day of the disciples wrestling with God. You see, their fear of the future was seeking to overwhelm their faith in the words that Jesus had spoken. And I get it. I get their, under, I get their fear. I, I understand the emotions that they must have faced. I would lock myself up in a room as well. I mean, come on. They're in Jerusalem. Roman guards are everywhere. Citizens are ready for a mob riot if incited. And the disciples have been scattered and confused. Everyone was emotionally, physically, and spiritually drained. How could all of this be from God when everything looked so absolutely broken and lost? Have you been there? Have you been in that place? Because I know I have. I have been in the places in my marriage or my finances, or my career, or my relationships, where the moments of brokenness feel so overwhelming, and where God just seems silent. There's no whisper of hope, no glimpses of grace, just this crushing silence. And it's tempting in the silence to want to shout out at God, to get angry, or to get mad, to stir up some kind of response as if we might do when we are fighting with a spouse or a friend. But God doesn't work like that. He's not one to be manipulated and provoked by the whims of man. He's God. 
My pastor often says, God sees what I can't see and can do what I can't do, which is exactly what was happening on Saturday. Because from the perspective of the disciples on earth and the followers of Jesus who walked this earth, the story was over. Death had won. Something must have been amiss. They must have missed something because they didn't see Jesus win. At least not yet. They were heartbroken and confused, scared for their lives and contemplating the next move. See, from the perspective of the enemy, he had won. The precious son of God was just as broken and weak as those humans on earth and death had defeated him. But see, what we didn't see, what nobody saw was that from the perspective of God in heaven, the show was just about to get interesting. Where everyone saw defeat, God saw opportunity. Where the world said, this is over, God said, I'm just getting started. Where sin seemed to have conquered, God said, I've got something else coming. The world saw silence. God saw patience. See, that's the thing about God. He's always right on time and he never has to explain himself. God was waiting for Sunday. Things had to be in place. The story had to be set. The world needed a little more time. And I get it. Trust me, I get it. The silence of God can feel crushing, but his silence is always for a purpose. And we must never equate the silence of God with his stillness. God not telling us what he's doing doesn't mean that he's not doing something. Besides, Jesus had told his disciples what was coming and no one believed him anyways. Even when we know what's ahead, we don't get things right. So sweet friend, this week, don't allow the silence of God to strangle out the faith that's blossoming within you. He's not being silent to suffocate your faith. He's being silent because he's about to show off all that he's been up to. And even if he told you what was coming, you wouldn't believe him. So it's just better for him to do it than to share it with you in advance. See, there was a time in my life where I used to fear the silence of God. But friend, there is nothing to fear in God. We have God's word always available to us through the scriptures and the spirit. And if we ever want to hear him speak, we need only to open his book. His voice is all over every word and every page. And even in the seasons when I don't experience hearing from him personally, I have learned to trust that he is working. He always sees the next step and he knows what I don't know. He sees what I can't see and he is preparing the way. He's preparing the people. He's preparing me for what's ahead. So friend, don't despise the silent Saturdays of your life. God's just setting the stage for the big reveal ahead. God is working even in the silence. Just wait. Until next week, friends.